in the beginning was water. For in Genesis chapter 1, we're told that the earth was a formless void and, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while the Spirit of God swept over the waters and creation was born. Exactly how the earth came into being, we can never fully know. But one thing is for certain. Water was present when life came into being. In the beginning, when, when you were born, water was present. From the moment of our conception to the instant of our death, we are dependent on water every single moment for our life and our survival. The, the ancients knew it, and we know it too. The difference is that most of us take water for granted much of the time, unless we're in a severe drought. I often fall into the mode of taking water for granted. I go to the faucet or the water cooler for water anytime. I wash my hands without hardly thinking about it. And whenever I go to shower, I know there will be plenty of clean, warm water. We wash dishes, cars, and clothes. And don't think very much about the water we use. And nearly two-thirds of our body is H2O. And we can, we can keep it that way whenever we want to get a drink, because we can get a drink anytime we choose, like right now. If you want a drink of water, you can get it right now. And so can I. The whole point thus far is that water is necessary for human life. Human biological life is not possible, nor is it sustainable without water. Water gives life. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected our entire globe. And I'd like to take a moment and draw our attention to our One Great Hour of Sharing offering. This year's theme, Let Love Flow, reflects the importance that water brings to people. The ability to, to wash hands and grow crops brings health and food security. Simple drinking water. Beyond the literal flowing of water, the theme symbolizes the flow of our love to our brothers and sisters. As you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me, said Jesus. We have to take into account our support of our brothers and sisters around the globe, those who lack the resources that we take for granted, especially right now as we go through our worldwide crisis. Giving is easy. You can write a check to the neighborhood church with one great hour sharing or OGHS in the memo line, or you can go to our church website and make an online contribution. If you haven't already, please let your love flow so that the water can too. Hand-drawn wells are a common source of water in many of the countries that we're supporting today, and they were common right here in our country in the earlier years of our formation. And it was to just such a well as that that Jesus went as he was journeying through Samaria 
for he was physically thirsty. The setting of our text from John's Gospel in Samaria is a scandal. Jews and Samaritans had little to do with each other. Why? Having a cultic center is very important in some religions, like Mecca for Muslims. What brought enmity to the Jews and Samaritans was the location of that center. The Jews, of course, knew it to be Jerusalem, and the Samaritans, Mount Gerizim, where they had built the temple during the Persian period. So, much of the argument was the location and proper place for worship. Pilgrims of different faiths made pilgrimage to their holiest places. In our story for today, Jesus is breaking down barriers and boundaries that separate. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan as told in Luke's Gospel? Jesus shakes up the status quo of chosen people and rejected people. There was a restriction that Jews and Samaritans not touch each other. But after a priest and a rabbi passed by on the other side of the road, leaving a Jewish brother lying there half dead, Jesus has a Samaritan be the agent of mercy. He comes, he touches the man's wounds, providing care for his recovery. And in that parable, it is one of the characters, the Samaritan, who upsets societal norms. But in our passage for this morning, it is Jesus himself who does it. Jesus initiates contact with the Samaritan woman. And that's a double whammy. Jewish men were not to engage in conversation with unknown women. And women had very few rights in the highly patriarchal times of the first century. Jesus was breaking down the boundaries of elitism and male-female issues. Jesus treats the Samaritan woman as a full person a worthy recipient of God's grace, and not as a despised enemy. The preoccupation with protecting boundaries between the chosen and despised, the in-group and the out-group, wasn't limited to the Jewish-Samaritan division of Jesus' day. Throughout history, peoples and nations have defined themselves over and against the others around them. Just think of women's suffrage, race relations, Nazi Germany, and many of the wars of the last few decades, some of which were waged all over ethnic cleansing. So much fear, just like that of the Jews and Samaritans, is based on contamination. I'd like to read just a portion of our passage for this morning that Michael read for us. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask of me a drink, a woman of Samaria? Jews are not to share things in common with Samaritans. 
Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here again. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me that the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Verse 20 raises the question of where is the right place of worship. And Jesus responds by saying, it is not a place, but it is worshiping in spirit. One of the longest dialogues in John's Gospel is this conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well. They have 13 exchanges back and forth. There is give and take in their dialogue, the play of irony, and misunderstanding, and rich metaphor. The woman mistakes the kind of water Jesus is talking about, yet she is open and moves through the conversation to see more. Jesus speaks of a living water, fresh, running spring water versus cistern water. He's talking about life-giving water and even eternal water. You see, Jesus is the living water. And the story goes on beyond our text. And let me point out just a few of the highlights. Then the woman, the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And they left the city and there were on their way to him. Now, many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed for two more days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. 
For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the word of the world. The woman becomes a witness to who Jesus really is, the Messiah and the living water. Imagine that. The first one to catch it and share it in John's Gospel is a Samaritan and a woman at that. Now, we have not been able to be present all together in the sanctuary for almost a year now. But whenever we have baptism, we go to the baptismal font and we have water here, plain, regular water. And this water is so powerful, not because of the water itself, but because of what it symbolizes and represents. In baptism, we know that it, it offers renewal. It offers life. It offers cleansing and forgiveness of sins, much the way when we wash our hands. We cleanse our hands. So the symbolism is that God's grace in baptism washes our sins away and cleanses us. And in the same way that we need, we need water physically almost daily to to live biologically, we need God in our lives regularly if we are going to be alive spiritually. There's so much richness and power in the symbolism of this water that we affirm in baptism that Jesus truly is the water of life. A life-giving water, not just for our biological life, but for all of our life in faith. And with God. Because we need that presence. That life sustaining. Thirst quenching presence. In our dry spirits. And in our lives. So. As you touch. Drink. And and use water today. And in the coming week. Think of these images. And all that I've been saying. And reflect, reflect on your own baptism and the deep connection that Jesus is the living water. John, in our, in our text for today, surprised his readers by sharing the story of Jesus and the Samaritans. They certainly weren't expecting to find the Messiah, let alone have an extended conversation with him for two days. So, how does Jesus surprise you? How are you surprised in unexpected places and at unexpected times? How do we show openness to those who are different as Jesus did? The woman witnessed to some of the other townspeople, drawing them for a closer look, but witness does not replace direct experience. In verse 42, they say, we have heard for ourselves. So what kind of direct experience do we have? Do we hear Jesus for ourselves? Jesus is the living water gushing up to life in the full, both now and 
for eternal life. Hear these words from the book of Revelation. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they worship him day and night. They will hunger no more and they will thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. He will guide them to the springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a wonderful image and vision in these troubled days of ours. For truly, Jesus is the water of life. Let us pray. Lord, I do not drink enough, and I do not drink often enough. I want to drink more, and I want to drink more often and more fully of your living water. May it be so for me and for all who are journeying with Christ this Lenten season. Amen.